Welcome to the Costa del Sol Cafe, a podcast reflecting on contemporary topics in conversation with faith, spirituality, and the arts. This podcast is brought to you by Guy Winter and Daniel Muñoz from their virtual cafe on the Costa del Sol. You can listen to our podcast on Google and Apple Podcasts and on Amazon Music, as well as on the Los Olivos Retreats website. Good morning, Danny, and how are you this morning? Good morning, Guy. I'm very well, thank you. I'm really enjoying the sunshine out there. Absolutely. What a beautiful morning here morning. on the Costa del Sol, where we are doing our podcast. Yeah, our first one of many, we hope, um, under the name of Costa del Sol Cafe. Wow. Yeah, brought to you by Los Olivos uh, Retreats, yeah. Absolutely, Costa del Sol. Uh, and I, I just love that title. Um, we kind of came up with it uh, as part of a, a very interesting conversation, but you really came up with the concept of the Costa del Sol. Do you want to tell us more about it? Well, it's basically just a play on words, of course. It's not Costa del Sol, but Sol. Um, and the cafe part is um, also added on the end. I mean, it's Costa del Sol because we want to bring sort of topics that um, edge into faith and spirituality, that connect with art, especially kind of poetry, music, film and pictures, things that we've kind of all, you know, been doing for some time but in a different format. And the whole kind of cafe concept is because this is just a, a more sort of informal place to chat and we hope that these conversations that will be between the two of us or maybe more people yep. uh, in the future will 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 bring that to uh, to your earbuds absolutely and I think for those of you who are not really into the whole churchy stuff just to say this is not just a, a churchy podcast this is more open and wider we want to explore uh, contemporary topics yep. uh, uh, you know recent uh, things that are going on issues that are important in mm -hmm. our world today yeah. But as Guy said, we want to bring in that edge of uh, the spirituality, do it in conversation with um, spirituality and the arts. Absolutely. In that broader sense. So, so, so then, Dan, Danny, what is this week's uh, topic? Okay, so we chose for this first uh, podcast of our series, uh, we chose a topic that is very um, important uh, to both of us, and I, we, we both believe that very important. Uh, for the world that we live in, and that is the topic of unity. So the title that we've given this week's, uh, this first podcast of our series and of the year, 2024, is Unity, Why Bother? Absolutely, why bother? And uh, I think it's been so somewhat inspired by this week that we're now in, that started on the 18th of January, uh, which for Christians is the week of prayer for Christian unity. And this has been observed or held as a week since 1908. Gosh, it's been a while. Um, and it was first uh, promoted by a, a man called Father Paul Watson, who was a Franciscan who lived in New York at the time, a Catholic Franciscan who had interestingly converted from Anglicanism. There had obviously been some prior initiatives. and But this is a particular week that's been, um, as I said, going for about 100 years. It runs always between the 18th on the 25th of January in the Northern Hemisphere, and it is now coordinated by the World Council of Churches. And you, if you're a churchgoer, you probably heard about this, um, this this weekend, I guess. Yeah, you would have had already your invitation uh, to various events through the week, uh, anywhere in the world, wherever you are. And um, so um, for those of you who are churchgoers, you will know about it. We are already on the second or the third day of 
of the weaker craft Christian unity. Uh, but really, we, we think that this kind of unity that we want to explore this morning uh, is a much broader thing. Yeah. Uh, and it has to do with the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. In any case, unity uh, in, in the Christian church. <laughs> yeah. uh, you just said that this movement started in at the beginning of the 20th century. And yeah. here we are well into the 21st century, 120, nearly 120 years later. We're still having to do these weeks. Oh, absolutely, we are, which is... Uh, well, it's just one of those things, isn't it? I mean, divisions are nothing new within the church, at least. And, you know, we even go back to very early letters written that are part of the Bible that talk about unity and Paul telling off various churches for not being united. And, you know, squabbles have been part of the sort of faith tradition for, well, let's say 2,000 years now. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but, I mean, in the Christian um, history, it's particularly interesting that as you said, it's there from the beginning. The, in every generation, the issues, the topics over which, uh, in this particular case, Christians have been divided, uh, they've, been, they've changed, they've been different. At the beginning, in the first century, was should we include non-Jews in this new movement or not? That was a massive uh, division um, topic. Later on, you had these theological divisions around who do people think Jesus was? Was he the son of God? Was he really God? Or was mm -hmm. he just like an adoptist of the Arians? Arian controversy in the third century. And um, and then, of course, you had in 1084, I believe it was, the, the great schism or divide of the church between East and West. Yep. And that was purely cultural. Uh, and that was a big divide. And of course, in the Reformation, the big divide was about how are you saved? You know, is it mm -hmm. through, mm -hmm. through faith? grace works combination of all of them and all these protestant uh, reformers they all uh, agreed on that one thing perhaps but then they were all divided around other topics particularly the one of the, the eucharist the lord's supper what happens in the breaking of bread when you when you have a, a community gathering and you break bread together uh, you know uh, remembering the, the the last supper of jesus and, and this was where a big division was at the time so we get to the 21st century and the divide is somewhat over a very different topic. Well, it, I mean, it is. And those are obviously quite theological kind of themes and um, reasons for division. But I think what we now see today is far more cultural uh, divisions within our churches and within society in general as well, because we have conflicting cultures uh, sort of typified at the moment by this kind of what we kind of call culture wars or war on woke or conservative people kind of thinking that other people aren't good or, or whatever it is and, and we see this within the church because whilst they're sort of dressed up sometimes as theological but they're often very cultural we've been bat not battling but we've had these divisions over well, first of all, it was the inclusion of women within the church, certainly the Anglican church, whether they should be priests or whether they should be bishops and all of this kind of thing. And, and more recently over how to include LGBTQ plus people within the church and how that should work. And that's really the hot topic at the moment. They, they have a lot to do with your worldview. And, yeah. and I think, whereas in the past, the, 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 the big divides were around denominational boundaries, nowadays the, the real divisions, the deep uh, divisions, are not uh, 
between denominations, but within denominations. Within denominations, and they're quite, some of them are quite common, aren't they? Yeah. So we recently had the Pope making a small declaration about being able to bless LGBT plus people well, couples, within, yeah. you know, not within a church, but that the clergy would be able to do it, and the African bishops all mm. went crazy, the Catholic, um, yeah, yeah. Catholic African bishops, and we've had a very similar kind of reaction within the Anglican Communion yeah. about the inclusion of, you know, gay people within the Western church, at yeah. least. And these are also reflected in wider society, because as, you know, Western countries in the US and Europe have kind of opened up in these sort of areas, it's still a very different picture within maybe Africa, you think of sort of Central African countries, and, and that is both in general society and also within church societies, isn't it? Yeah. So, so each generation has come with its own set of red lines, that things that for Christians became so important that if you didn't agree with them, you were out. Yeah, and this is so what you're saying is there's been disunity for a very long time, well, you know, since the beginning, really. Since the beginning, yeah. So I guess it's it's nothing new, but it is it is a shame that as Christians we cannot sort of model unity because this would be one of the things that Jesus was very keen on really wasn't he I know I know um, and it, it's a shame also that because at, at the heart of all this uh, this unity is the idea of how we manage conflict mm -hmm. now conflict is always going to be there yeah. wherever there are two or more people you know Jesus says where two or more are gathered in my name there are many midst well actually what he didn't say but was implicit is where two or more gathered in my name there will be conflict that's why you need me to be in your midst absolutely so. <laughs> to, to be able to be that that center that anchor that enables you to manage to handle these human conflicts from a place of love and from a place of, of faith and generosity. Yes, and so then, then you go back to that um, at the end of Jesus' life when he prayed this amazing prayer to God that his followers would be one. Mm -hmm. uh, that there would be unity amongst them and you know we keep wrestling with that yeah. with that prayer we yeah. keep uh, trying to to live out that that prayer and of course it was a it was a very i mean jesus knew <laughs> that these things would happen yeah. you know he he knew and because this is part and parcel of being human that conflict is at the heart of any human group uh, community society but it, but it's how you deal with that conflict. Yeah. So this prayer was important that we may be one, not just for the sake of, of the Christian community, but for the sake of the world. Totally, yeah. You know, for, for him, this was about us modeling something, uh, witnessing to the world that this is the path to become truly human, to thrive as a society, to become a, a better version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And... And when he prays that we may be one, that we may work together, not against each other, that we may forsake this duality, this mindset of, of, of them and us, which is so ingrained in the wider society. Yeah. You know, that you're either with us or you are against us. Yeah. 
which brings me perfectly to the film that I had been thinking about as we thought about this topic. Uh, you so want to tell us what the film is? I will do. It's, it was called Meet the Fockers. Meet it the was, Fockers. It oh. was from 2004, and it was the second in a trilogy. Yeah. Um, Meet the Parents was first, right, and then yes. Little Fockers or something was afterwards. Yeah, that's right, yes. Much later. Yeah. 2010, I think, yes. And, then, and it focused around sort of Greg, also known as Gaylord by his parents, and Pam, who are a recently engaged couple, and their respective parents. So Bernie and Roz were Greg's parents, and Jack and Dina being Pam's parents. And as I said, they were engaged to be married, and they felt that now was the time to introduce their parents to each other, which was interesting. So Jack and his family, they drive down from New York in this all singing, all dancing RV. Yes. A huge kind of camper. That's right, yes. So they drive from from New York to, uh, to Florida in order to meet uh, Greg or Gaylord's parents who are, who are the Fockers. Yeah. Well, this was kind of an interesting meeting because they were people, and this is where it kind of links back to the unity theme, coming from very different world perspectives. So you have Greg's parents who are basically kind of hippies from the 60s, I guess, uh, who are still doing that thing. You know, Roz, his mother, is a sex therapist. Bernie had been a live-at-home father. You know, completely at odds with Jack and Dina. Jack, had the father of uh, Pam, had been this CIA operative, and he was, you know, very conservative, very set in his ways. He's bringing up little Jack, yes. um, the grandson, with this weird parenting yeah, technique yeah, yeah. and all of that kind of thing. <laughs> Don't give any spoilers for those who haven't seen well, it. Well, I'm sure most people have seen this film, but um, this is why I picked it. Um, and it is a total culture clash. I mean, yeah. we had incidents like Greg babysitting little Jack and him ending up using swear words and Jack's cat flushing the Fockers dog down the loo and all of this kind of thing. This yes. led to a pretty kind of complicated relationship. Mm. So we have this interesting film where these two families are trying to sort of come together yeah. and it's not really working for most of the film. <laughs> and we have this amazing kind of concept of Jack's, which is around this circle of trust. Shall we play the clip? Yeah, let's play that clip because it sums up that beautifully. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the Burns family circle of trust. See, if I can't trust you, Greg, then I have no choice but to put you right back outside the circle. And once you're out, you're out. There's no coming back. Hmm. Well, I would definitely like to stay inside the circle. Let me put it very simply. If your family circle does indeed join my family circle, they'll form a chain. I can't have a chink in my chain. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I get the metaphor. Greg. You're still in the circle of trust, so I'm going to give you one more chance. That's it. We're starting our own circle of trust. And guess what? You're not in it. Well, you can't start a circle of trust. It's my circle. You know what? You don't have a patent on the circle, Jack. And by the way, you're not even in your own circle right now. That is untrue. I say who's in or out of the circle. Well, I'm confused. Whose circle am I in? Nobody's. Nobody's. Wow, that was amazing, this whole idea of the circle of trust. 
it is and i think it's all it's a lot around this theme of unity as well these are very ununited families initially and jack has this very set idea about what it who should be within his circle and who shouldn't be within his circle it's very much based on his own worldview and do you share my worldview or not yeah and then you're either in or you're out absolutely and if you're out that's it yeah this is very quite like a sort of trump yeah. type idea about his political opponents if you're not with him you're yeah. against him yeah. and he will do whatever he can to take advantage of you or yeah. or not include you or, or however that works and and if if you don't mind me sort of sort of stepping in here is is a little bit also how the church has historically dealt with conflict it hasn't been through trying to reconcile and trying to find a way that can bring us together but trying to almost like demonize the other yeah so this is them and us mentality mindset that says you know if you're not a hundred percent in agreement with everything that i i how i understand um mm -hmm. the gospel uh, different topics then you are excommunicated i'm no longer in communion in union with you yeah it's a You're very out. what i think is it richard ross has very dualistic yes approach to religion but if this was a very this circle of trust yeah. is the ultimate in dualism isn't it absolutely you're either in or you're out yeah but it, it's in a way it's a very childish approach isn't it mm. well, it's a very tantrumy kind of you know i think it is not a mature grown-up way of dealing with conflict no i think we can agree, agree on that <laughs> for sure but but we've seen this so much in the last decades we within the church you know in even in the church of england the way they've mm -hmm. dealt with the uh, living in love and faith uh, through the past seven eight years the synodical responses to it how you know there's been a group within that synod and within the church that their only way they can understand and relate to the other is by seeing everyone as them or us. Yeah. And we see it in politics as well. Of Certainly course. over the last 10 to 15 years, it's been very polarized yeah. in many of our societies. And we're kind of thinking about the Spanish, UK, US, European scenario, mm. but I'm sure it's, it's elsewhere as well. And it's not, well, it's, know, all it's, it's very Latin good America. because you've got like fragmentation yeah. of societies and that's not good yeah. it's been also driven i suppose to some degree by things like social media where you can just interact with people that think the same as you so you don't even have to bother to interact with anybody else yeah and that's been while social media's had a lot of positives that's been one of the big negatives yeah. i think yeah 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 and it is, it is, it's a shame. So um, what can we learn from Meet the Fockers then? Well, I think from Meet the Fockers, the kind of redeeming thing is that these two families have a higher sort of agenda that at least brings them together, which is the sort of upcoming marriage of their children. So they have got a real incentive to try to get on mm -hmm. um, because otherwise they're probably going to lose one of, one of the families at least is going to lose, the, you know, their child or not be in contact with them. So they've got a real incentive to try and bridge gap or bridge, build bridges, which they do, I think, don't you? I yes, mean, yes. So, so they're higher, they have this higher purpose that is really uh, to preserve, is driven by their love for their own children. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what we need in society in general now is to look beyond these differences and maybe in faith communities as well, but in society in general, to look beyond these 
divisions to something that is bigger that can unite across these um, these types of culture that will exist and will exist into the future and have existed in the past as well. And we need to look to those types of um, things to unite us at least. And that that is why I think when we say you know unity, why bother? Mm. I think we should bother because. At, a, at an individual level, you know, if all individuals try this, then it will make the world a better place. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's about being a peacemaker, isn't it, in some respects? Oh, guy. That, thank you for that. I think, I think that's absolutely right. And does it remind you of any of the teachings of Jesus? Well, of course, it's from the Beatitudes, isn't it? Blessed are the peacemakers. What was there? For they the shall be called the children of God. Yeah. Maybe because it's some of the hardest work that's out there. Yes. And it continues and it's been there since time began, really. Yeah, that's true. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. There is only one beatitude that offers that sort of promise that the people who work for reconciliation, for peace, for healing in this world, for, for, for building bridges, you know, mm -hmm. for unity, are, are the ones who are reflecting in their lives what it means to be a child of God in, yeah. in the most perfect way. Yeah. You know? And, and I remember when we did our retreat, our, our quad day on um, the Beatitudes. On the Beatitudes, yes. That, yeah. that the meaning of the, that blessed word mm -hmm. in, in the Aramaic was not just about being blessed, but it was about something spiritually deeper. It was about maturity. You know? And ripeness, wasn't it? Ri right. Ripe. Ripe, it was the word. Ripe. It's about maturity as well. And yeah. people seeking after one of these Beatitudes aims being mature in this thing and i think that yeah it, the peacemaker dynamic connected with unities it's very important and from unity comes peace but people have to promote that mm, of course uh, initially and it wouldn't just happen necessarily like peacemaker is an ac active role isn't it that is you have to work for it, it. absolutely yes. so I, you have to work for unity yeah. eff effectively I remember, in, in, I don't know if it was in that particular one or in a different conversation with Podrick Otuma, who used to work for the Coromila community mm -hmm. in Northern Ireland. I think you were in that conversation when yes, you said that's right. something about, you know, reconciliation of this work of reconciliation. When you sit and you try and mediate between two groups of people with very entrenched uh, op opposing uh, views or experiences of, you know, mm -hmm. this, this work of reconciliation is tough and, and painful and difficult and it, and it brings down tears and it is a deeply troubling and uncomfortable place to be yeah and none of us like to put ourselves in those places yeah this is why we, we tend to by nature avoid conflict as human beings mm. we we try I, mean, I'm, I'm, I for one am one of those people that if i can avoid conflict and try and sort of bring reconciliation before conflict happens without dealing with the real issues that is my natural instinct, even though I know that is not the right path sometimes. And I think that's very common for, for people in general. I don't think that's 
I think there are a few people that kind of thrive on conflict. There are a few people who do, but few. But it's not just thriving in conflict. I'm meaning more like not being afraid mm. of conflict. Okay. Yes, you know, that, this is like my, my prayer sometimes for myself. It's like, I, I pray that I would have the strength not to run away from conflict mm. when conflict mm. is there, but, but have the wisdom and the grace and the generosity of, of knowing how to become you know, a peacemaker, a, a bridge builder, mm. somehow in the midst of this, you know, an, an agent of reconciliation and healing. And it's totally so required in the world around us today. We look at the, I mean, the ultimate expression of these conflicts is war, of course, and we have plenty of those occurring around mm. the world at the moment, and they're yeah. very destructive and extremely, you know, sad, the, yeah. the, the outcome of what is going on at the moment. And, you know, we have a far tinderbox situation in the US over the election that's coming up and, you know, what will happen after that. And, yeah. and you yeah. know, I think as faith-based communities and as Christians, we need to be able to demonstrate something around unity in order that hopefully some of that spills over to the wider world. And yeah. I think we come back to, the, to our original kind of premise, you know, is, is it worth it? It definitely is. This week of Christian unity, maybe it shouldn't just be a week. I mean, maybe it should... The whole year. <laughs> I know. Or maybe it's a bit sad that we have to have this uh, specific week when really it should be a year-round activity. But nevertheless, it is good to have a week of it, I guess. And um, That's true. Yeah. Let's... Uh, yeah. And, and I think uh, just to, to wrap, I guess, to wrap up what we've been discussing, mm. because we started with it, you know, we are very much aware that when you switch on the TV, when you go online to, to read your favorite paper or, or social media source of you know, news, whatever mm. you draw your news from, it can be very disheartening to yeah. read uh, the yeah. news. It can be very uh, depressing, really, mm. because of the amount of bad news out there, a lot of them driven by conflict and violence. And, you know. So I guess... I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to um, dwell in that in, in, it's from, from a place of hopelessness because that is not what the gospel is about. Mm. The gospel is literally good news. Yeah. And, it, and it's good news that, that comes filled with hope. Hope that this world can be different. Mm. That we can change this world yeah. together uh, in the power of, of God's Spirit that sustains us and moves us forward. And as we follow and, and seek to stay close to this amazing rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth, who showed us the way, and, and the way is the way of love. Mm. Thank you for listening to Costa del Sol Cafe. We hope you've enjoyed this week's conversation and we look forward to sharing together again soon.